Hey there. Welcome to the in-between. Um, we didn't quite make it, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I had a funny feeling we wouldn't. I mean, it, it's just like there's just so much. There is. That's all right. Um, but we gotta we gotta get into eighteen this next week. So, um, where exactly did you stop? Um, <clears throat> we stopped. We stopped this week at seventeen. Um, I referenced forty. You know, I went down through forty nine yeah. to his actual death and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I didn't really get down into past that. So I'll I'll start back at forty nine, which is the actual struck the Philistine. The, the, yeah, striking the Philistine down. Um, I, I I have had a few. This is First uh, Samuel seventeen, um, uh, chapter seventeen. Um, I did have a few people talk about being surprised by the slings. Yep. Um, uh, which is I mean makes total sense because if in in east texas if all you've ever um uh, thought of with the sling is a slingshot the kind that you you know you hold in your right hand and then pull back with Stretch your left back. hand yep exactly that rubber band will get you um this is not the same thing and you're definitely not usually shooting a billiard ball with it so yeah. um that's the part that uh i think was <clears throat> most surprising to me was how big the um, rocks were. When you, when you go to that museum in Jerusalem, they have a bunch of sling stones mm-hmm. that they've found over the years there. And they're, they're almost all that size. I mean, they're billiard ball size, softball, somewhere between baseball and softball size. And, and they hurl those suckers. That's and insane. That's, it, it is. It would not be fun to be absorbing those things. And, and <clears throat> unlike arrows in Israel, you don't run out of no. There's rocks. rocks. There's rocks everywhere, man. I mean, even <laughs> if you have to throw a bad rock, like you can still throw a rock. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um. So yeah, it's 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 fascinating, and Paul, it doesn't minimize. As I said in the first service, I don't think I said it in the second service, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Like the least miraculous part of the whole story is the fact that when Goli- when Goliath got hit in the head with a rock, he died. He yeah. fell down. Like that's of course he did, but that's. It is amazing how people, but but you still can't remove God from this this story as much as we like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. People oh, yeah. try to do it, absolutely not that. Paul Chris uh, referenced you slinging at one point. Yeah, was that? Did you do that for a while, or how good did you get with it? Um, I mean, I just remember playing around with it. I think the one of the bigger the first times to actually play with the little one you made, I think, was in Israel. And I think that was the thing is we, it was the first trip we ever did and we were in the Valley and then the and, green one. Yeah. 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 And so, you, you know, always that pressure of like, you know, people are watching your teaching <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. and, you, and you let loose and it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, that was in sort of the direction. Yeah. You know, uh, in sort no. of the direction. And I then, didn't yeah. hit another person behind yeah, me. Right, yeah. That's my goal. It was like, That's I don't my trust my myself. Goal. At all when it comes to that <laughs> stuff. So I'm like, no, I'm not even going to pick it up because I will hit someone behind me. I will let go of that string at the wrong time. <laughs> Cade was very curious about it. And I was like, ha, 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 just play it off as nothing. It's no big deal. Don't do that, son. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I feel like the bouncy ball back behind yeah, right. the church here, you and I were playing with it one time. And then I and feel like yeah, pretty quickly, would, you, yeah. 
I don't know just, if we were we weren't nailing a tree at head height yeah. or something, but we were within a short amount of time, pretty much generally hitting at the tree. Yeah, it was still artillery for us at that point, not sniper. But yeah. it was. Uh, it reminds me a lot of the um, the scene in Braveheart. <laughs> Sorry, it's movie reference, Paul. Um, the scene in Braveheart where uh, um, ch- the child William Wallace is throwing the stones. Oh, that's right. And then they reference it later whenever he hits. Uh, oh, I should have remembered about the rocks. <laughs> should have remembered the rocks. I <laughs> you should have. I you should have. <laughs> um, but very much, I think, even you know, again, in the short time of messing around, like if yeah, it. One of the you know silly things of I remember our freshman year of college, our the uh, sweet mates who we shared a bathroom with, but it had a different room across. Um, Went to some gun show and bought, you know, some of those blow dart guns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I yes. mean, and, and again, like just sitting around, you know, it's college, you've got plenty of time around, on yeah. your hand and you're doing it. And we, I mean, literally got to the place that you could put a Tylenol on its head anywhere in the room. Now the room's mm-hmm. like a 12 by 12 room. I mean, they're not talking right. big room. But still, it's and a Tylenol. Could, and you could hit, you could knock over a Tylenol with one of those little blow dart guns. Yep. Um, because again, you're just. This is what you're doing, yeah. and you're fooling yep. with it. And so, for a shepherd, you know, killing time, walking is a sheep, messing around, but also, I could see where you get very proficient practicing. Yes. Yeah, not not just messing around, also practicing. Like this is this is going to save my life, right? We gotta, oh yeah, we got to do this. Yeah, yeah. I was a that was the feel was that's what I remember. I remember bringing it to you and being like, oh my gosh, I feel like, a, you know, a few hundred hours, and I could be you know, knocking a grasshopper out of the air type of thing. Like it, yeah. <clears throat> I'd had that feel of this is something that could be mastered to an extraordinary level. And of so course, much so that David you're like, I'm going to try been. it in my left hand now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Boo. There you go. Shoot. Anyway. But like you said, I think again, Chris is very, it's very clear that even if David is super proficient with this thing, it's not David's proficiency that is, you know, what, what takes down the giant. No. I mean, it's clearly God, God's I loved, blessing. Yeah, I loved that phrase, his doom is coming with bread and cheese. Bread and cheese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Didn't, didn't, didn't see that one coming. Nope. Um, so David knocks down Goliath, kills him, yep. knocks him down, whatever it is. The so- stone sank into his forehead. Sank yep. into his forehead. That sure sounds like <laughs> death right there. Like, that's not... He was certainly stunned at that point. I, yeah. <laughs> I think he's... Yeah. I think he's dead. I don't think he's dead until the sword comes. That's a great debate, by the way. Mm-hmm. Is he dead it's yet? 50, 50 seems out of... <clears throat> 50 seems like it summarizes yeah. the whole event, and so it throws into question 49, is he dead? 51, is he dead? Yeah. That is... That is and and it is it is a thing like you it really is there there are several different opinions on mm-hmm. when when in the process is Goliath dead and that's why I was like when David left his house with bread and cheese that's when he, mm-hmm. that's when he's dead that's when he's dead um, it's like when are you married? when God decides he's dead um, um, yeah yeah but I I mean I don't think I ever noticed um, before like actually studying this passage by noticed I mean. The dozens of times, I'm going to say dozens, the dozens of times that I read this as a child and growing up, I don't think I ever noticed David telling Goliath he was going to cut off his head. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so it's not like... With what? 
With what? You don't even. All you have is a stick, kid. What are you going to cut my head off with? Your sword. Your sword. Fortunately, one of us brought a sword that I can cut your head off with. <laughs> I'm like, ah, uh, that's intense. Yep. It's like my little pin knife. Benaya killing <laughs> the dude with his own spear. Yes, like, exactly. And <laughs> uh, I figure if I need one of those M16s, there'll be enough of them lying around. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a We Were Soldiers <laughs> quote reference there for, reference there for that is a movie you would like. Um, Paul would like that one. Um, sure. Yeah, I think it's it's that whole little section is kind of a recapitulation over and over again. Yeah. Like he killed him, it sunk in his head. He did it. There was no sword. He did it. There was a anyway, and but um, yeah, I think there's there'll be some fascinating things to kind of unwrap with this. Even just so, <clears throat> by the way, this is kind of fun. Verse fifty one, um, and and I I noticed this when we were earlier in 1 Samuel. So I had to run over to this and like, oh my gosh, and put a note here so I wouldn't forget it, and I sure would have. Mm-hmm. So then, so you got um, <clears throat> Goliath fall, who falls forward, right? Mm-hmm. Actually says that. And and people have tried to put a lot of like, wait, how did he fall forward? That must have been Jesus, an angel pushing him from behind. Like, oh No, he was gosh. running forward, yeah. and so he gets hit in the head. <clears throat> I'm sure his head whipped back, but he's still a huge his man charging forward. Is going forward. He falls on his face. So you have Goliath fallen on his face in front of David. Verse 51, then David ran and took the Philistines, took a sword, drew it out of his sheath, and killed him and cut off his head with it. At this moment, Phil- the Philistine would have looked a whole lot like the statue of Dagon. I, I was like, <clears throat> he didn't cut off his hands. Yeah, I know it. Exactly. That would have been even better if he'd have been like, and he cut his hands off too. But anyway... The, this this statue of Dagon kind mm-hmm. of recapitulation is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the fact that again he's Goliath is cursing him by his gods. It's probably by Dagon, yeah, of which he curses, and then yet he's dealt the same fate. <laughs> oh, dealt there the you same are. fate exactly. Yeah. You want to see what this looks like? You, be, you become <laughs> your god. Yep, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? I know. I've also there's others that um, you know point to the fact that this is David carrying out God's judgment for the blasphemy. Mm-hmm. Um, that in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, it was stoning that was the prescribed oh, execution for yeah. the blasphemer. Yeah. And here is... <laughs> just, I've yeah. not put that one together either. Yeah. Here, Here is this Philistine blasphemer, and David as the right executioner stones him. Wow. According to the law. Yeah. I'm going to add that in right now. Just, hold on, let me... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Pick that one off. Um yeah, no, I I still like it's it's still fun and uh I know we like we talked about it he just scared and he runs but like the fact that his armor bearer is nowhere to be found at this point <laughs> is telling like that's Yeah, exactly. He he like all the other Philistines he what probably took just off. What happened? Him. It is intriguing that the whole, you know, I, I know this is, you know, Jewish the 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 Jewish style of writing that history Yeah. And it's and it's war history like we've talked right. about, but but it is fascinating to me that the Philistines break and run yeah. at the death of Goliath, and and after forty days of this, that they they break and run, it shows to what degree the the people at this time, including the Philistines, put the emphasis on divine power, because oh yeah, because this they were not. There's no way this army full of people is running from the Jewish army, no, they, or from David in this moment. It's not. Now, are some of these people who survived the battle with Samuel thirty years before or whatever, and 
and are like, we, well, here's what we know we don't want to happen is for their God to show up. Because mm-hmm. when their God shows up, we're, you Toast. know. Now, do they remember 60 years ago or any of them left alive who remember when they thought that God showed up and they won anyway and took the ark, but then the ark crippled them. And so there's such a, there's such a, a rich history of of wars between and the 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 Philistine people have no really good reason to respect the Jewish people as warriors, but they seem to have a great fear for the Jewish God <clears throat> when He shows up because mm-hmm. they've seen that they've seen it with Samuel, they experienced it in their cities with the um, well, and they've heard of it, the Ark, right? And so, is it that they realize this child? So, if Saul had defeated Goliath. Would they have? Would they have broken? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they'd have been like, "Oh well, bummer. Goliath's dead. We still outman and out armor and yeah. out weapon the the Jewish people." But was it the fact that, okay, if this little shepherd boy just came out and killed our champion, okay, that's that's clearly not just that little shepherd boy. Yeah, there's something going on here that we don't want to mess with. We don't want to get mixed up with. So, I just, I just think that's interesting that they they run for it. They bail and. They get chased all over, all the way back to their cities. Yeah, I think I would still, like, it was not an abnormal thing for a, a champion to come out and say, Let, let's fight one-on-one for instead of the the armies fighting. Yeah. That was not abnormal and hadn't been for a long time. Like, right, right. That, that was a normal been thing. Been done in human history all yeah, the time, yeah. All the time. But typically, the armies don't respect it, is what we also find. And then the running is really what gets me. Yeah. Yeah, why they run for the hills? Yeah, it's not. It's not. Ah, oh, crap! We lost. And by the way, they quite literally run for the hills. We we know where these cities are, and they are in every direction from where the Philistines are. They they run. They run anywhere. In every they direction. Can. They they run everywhere. There's not Israelite soldiers. Like they run everywhere except directly across the the valley. Um, I'll share about Sharim Sharaim or whatever the mm-hmm. Sharaim. Um, because last time I was in Israel, our guide they had found came it. up to me and was like doing one of those little things that the guides do when with another guide. And he's like, you don't tell anybody because don't tell anybody right now because it's not like public knowledge yet. But that you see that dig up on that hill, I was like, yeah, what's going on up there? He goes, they that's Shireen, like they found it. They found it, yeah. and uh, and I was like, well, okay, how do you know that? Yeah, right, like what. How do you okay. know that shot right? Like, like is, was there a sign? Like they, things are built on top of things. A, yeah. about, <laughs> right. Built on top of things. What are you saying? Okay, so it's right on the top of a hill, right? At the Valley of Allah, and uh, a steeper spot is a steeper spots all around it. And Sha'arain means two gates. Yeah, and uh, cities didn't have two gates. That's not something that was done back then. And yet, this city, you can actually look at it from above. I have a picture of it and uh, an aerial photo of it, and you can see the gates. There's two gates, one in the front and one in the back, so that if you were coming over the hilltop, you could go in one entrance and out the other or whatever. Um, and so it's named Two Gates, which makes sense. They they went, they ran through Sha'arim all the way to Gath and Ekron, back to their homes. Like, I am out of here. Yep. So mm. anyway, just it's just amazing. Though though I will tell you, my um, so this is maybe a timeline issue, which I'm fine with, is verse 54 is actually, in my opinion, historically, maybe one of the more troubling, uh, that that if it's supposed to be, and David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent, 
Uh, I'll talk about that, by what, the way, because that may be the tent. tent. It, it actually may be his, as in capital H, his Ooh. tent. Because we know that's where he put the sword. Yeah. And so uh, that would make sense to me, that David would not have had a tent at this battle unless he took it back home with him, which is also possible. But he took Goliath's armor somewhere. Well, we know he took Goliath's sword to the tabernacle. Yeah, but why would the tabernacle be in Jerusalem well, it's at not. this point? That, it can't be. Yeah. David has not taken Jerusalem yet. The Jebusites take have Jerusalem. And right. so why would he have even taken the head of the Philistine to Jerusalem? Yeah, that's I, interesting. That, that's intriguing. It may mean, as we've talked about with Samuel, that's where the head ended up someday. Mm. Right. Is that eventually the head ended up in Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, but just the, the image, because the head is mentioned several times here, that David is hauling this head around everywhere he goes. Um I mean, it's a, it's he doesn't own much, but I'd say head. he owns that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, I got my shepherd's sticks and my <laughs> sling and these rocks and this head. And that big old head. Anyway. Yeah, because he, he gets the sword later from... Uh, yeah, from Nob. Nob. If I remember correctly. Yeah. Anyway. So there's that. And then we jump into the... We'll jump into eight. In fact, my intention is to get all the way through 18... Yeah. Which I don't know With, that it'll be that tough. It's, well, I mean, it's just another, again, recapitulation of Saul and Abner not knowing who David is. Yeah. Like, wait, <laughs> right, <yeah>. who's that guy? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know either. Well, I, could you go find out? I yeah, mean, he, find out. He, he's, you know, placed the liar. And, you made him your shield, your you, armor bearer. You made Remember him that? your armor bearer. You loved him so much. Jesse brought you some stuff through him. You really? Nothing. Nothing. No, no, you got nope, nothing. Okay. okay. Um. And then David and Jonathan. So as you mentioned, John, uh, I think last time in the podcast, 18, another thing that makes 18 weird is it's like, we're all big on David. We all love David. We, oh no, we want to kill David. Yeah. Okay. We Okay. Wait, that just happened. So in one second. So again, mm-hmm. the timelines here, clearly not to meant to be taken like, oh, then this, then this, then it's this, not, then this. It's not Mark. And yeah, this, immediately, and immediately, right? <laughs> and immediately, they wanted to kill David. And immediately, they were celebrating David. And right. immediately, they went. Um, so you literally have in verse five, Saul is send, putting him over the men of war. It was good in the sight of people and of Saul's servants. Like everyone's like, "Yes, this is awesome. This is awesome." And then verse eight, it is Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. So it's it it just. It, there has to be a history here that's good, that's building, that's going on for a while. Um, so I, I think there's probably minimum five or ten year gap between mm-hmm. these events. Um, and then, because I think, I think David's probably 11 years old, 10, 11, 12 years old. I know there's debate against that. Um, two things. So somebody sent me, because they actually know I was teaching on this, but they actually sent me a Christianity Today article that I guess that just came out. That makes the case, and one, I mean, I felt I felt proud because like everyone in our church could refute this. Now it doesn't mean it's wrong, but they could refute the arguments. They're like, no, G- David is clearly an adult. They like they portray David as a Navy SEAL. They actually say like he was more like a Marine than a child because he ran. They're like he he ran fifteen miles with forty five pounds of food, and and they go through this whole thing, and um, and no child could do that. And Wait, what what does it say that he ran? They they make the argument. David always runs everywhere. That that never describes him walking anywhere. So he must have ran there too. Oh my gosh! And uh, 
And that it, it's kind of similar to the Gladwell argument. Like this was, this was not some kid defeating a giant. This was a yeah. I mean, Goliath's big and more powerful, but but they, again, they he's just don't account only for, six foot nine. Right. He's he's six nine, and and David is an is a Navy SEAL, he's a special forces soldier, uh, and it actually referenced the chapter before a a man of war. You know, like they referenced like. Yeah, it's already been said. It's already been said of him that he's a man of war. I'm like, oh, everyone in my church can tell you you shouldn't treat this chronologically. They're mm-hmm. making a mistake. Um, Interesting. But it, it, in Christianity Today, it had that still that sense again of like, hey, we need to. This isn't some huge miracle. This, yes, it's cool that 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 this Jewish Navy SEAL killed, and there's a sandbar the across the bottom of the Red Sea that the. <laughs> Everybody walked across. That's right. Really, it was just a, like a low tide situation. It's it. What it did that struck me that I was, I don't know if annoyed is the right word, but it had that same feel. This isn't as big a shock as everybody pretends like it is, and and um and but when it, once again, what they totally failed to account for is then then why was everyone so weirded out by this? Yeah. Why is everyone like, no, you can't go fight him. No, you can't. Like, that doesn't make any sense. You can't. And why is that their attitude at first? Why is everyone so afraid of Goliath if all it takes is a really well-trained Jewish soldier to go take him out? And anyway, I just, it had that feel of, and I wrestle with that because the person who sent it to me, sent it to me saying, you know, this, this reminds me of when you were able to unpack the Jewish history behind something in it. I'm like, oh, I, I hope I don't come across ever as, uh, I get it, and no one else ever has. I, you know, I'm so afraid of that mentality. Well, I think there is a like, mm, so there's there's the like looking for the new, looking for the new way to interpret right something, and I don't think that that's like that's not a that's not a good way to approach things. It it seems like what we're trying to do over and over and over again at our church is remember the old way of interpreting this <laughs> so we're trying like right. we're trying to be like no what it what did it mean to the people that it was first written to and that's a good rule of hermeneutics right, right. not we always a, want to do that not a like the the bad rule of hermeneutics is is eisegesis is trying to read ourselves into it read read what like our preconceptions into the text right and things like that the the good rule of uh Hermeneutics is exegesis, where you are trying to read what what it was originally written as, right, and what that purpose was. How do we apply that purpose to our lives now? Yes, yes. and and so sometimes whenever there's been so much modernization of a text, it does feel new to go back to the old. Yeah, right, exactly. But I don't I don't think that's ever the I mean it's never our intent. I know for the two of you for sure <clears throat> that it's never your intent to find the new way of reading this that everybody else has just missed for three thousand years. Like that's right. not it. That's part of why I try to listen to other pastors even so even after I've done my own, so I usually, that's my pattern now is I, I do the work, I look through the commentaries, I do that. And then as I'm kind of wrapping up and, and I've got a little bit of space left or whatever, that's when I'll listen to Guzik or, mm-hmm. or uh, um, oh, who do I reference constantly? Alistair. Alistair Begg. And, and, uh, you just listen to Alistair because of his accent. Man. Accent. He's just, he's just, he could say so anything good. at that point. I'm like, I'm listening. 
there was a Babylon Bee recently about that Alice turns Bebe. out that no, it turns out that people with Scottish accents are actually better Bible teachers. Like it's not just the accent; they actually have been now proven to be sure. <laughs> empirically yeah. better Bible teachers. I wouldn't be surprised at all. <laughs> um, but part of that is because I, I, if I've come up with some new thing that I'm like, oh, look at that, it's he's he's kind of like Dagon now, like laying before Lahorn with his head missing, and 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 it's such a huge comfort to me when someone like Alistair Begg is like, you know, I know he's laying like Dagon the, and they're like, okay. Good. That's not just I me. Didn't, I, I didn't just. I didn't come up. something that, that seems clever. It's no, it's ab- a, absolutely. It, it you know, there's spotted. There is nothing new under the sun, and when we try to make ourselves out to be the new thing under the sun, then I think that that's a dangerous place to be. Yep. Um, but I do love. We're going to get into eighteen. I do love like that. This friendship that forms between David and Jonathan is just. I mean, in and in itself is a miraculous thing, and I, I love it. Yeah, the the David that we uh, that we love is like that you remember, I think, and and love is the David with Jonathan. Yeah, that's right. Um, David loses Jonathan, things go sideways, but it's man. Yeah, it's good anyway. stuff. Um, by the way, just one real quick one for yeah. us. And <clears throat> it it struck me every time I learn more about. Get more insights into David's betrayal of Uriah. Oh no! Uh, Jumping a spoiler alert. I know it. Um, listen to verse seventeen uh, of this chapter. I think it's seventeen. Seventeen or uh, maybe it's, it's seven. Yeah, seventeen. Then Saul said to David, "Here's my elder elder daughter Mirab. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles." For Saul thought, "Let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him." Now we know where David learned that tactic. Ouch. Yeah. Like, oh, that's just every time it's a deeper betrayal, every time it's so you literally have been on the receiving end of this, David. And then you go and pull the same junk on your eye. Like I mean, to me, that's cool. just like straight up fear whenever uh Bathsheba shows up pregnant or lets him know that she's pregnant. Like, hmm. You moron. Yep. Don't don't be an idiot. Yes. Right, Paul? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very cool. So we got a lot to talk about. It's going to be great. We will see you all on Sunday. Be encouraged.